0: read the first few bits of the book like you know Martina features so heavily but she dies and she dies off the page you don't mm-hmm. see her die um you don't know how she dies you just know when the uh militias come and they do come um and we we know they're going to come they overrun the camp and they just you you know they, they they mass murder people they they butcher and butcher and butcher and there's only a handful of survivors um you know, Sarah being one Dana being another and Simon survives with a, just a horrific head injury. He got shot in the head and has Mm -hmm. got this, uh, you know, brain injury that limits his brain capacity for life. Um, and their mother, their mother dies. Um, and the last thing I wanted to note about the camp is she meets two old men there who are very important. She meets, um, she, she meets, oh man,
1: sorry.
0: Say again. Albert Gaines, games. Yeah. Yeah, the, Gaines the, the Joe, who right. turns out not to be named Joe. His name is Yusuf Bun Rashad. But uh, they're, Gaines is a old, like a sort of an old recruiter who uh, recruits people to, young kids mostly, and like the vulnerable. He's one of those recruiters who basically radicalizes people.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. And Joss, that quote that you read earlier about like the recruiters and the mechanics of what they did, this is serving as the sort of dry academic explanation for the behavior that we see from Gaines.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because he I mean, he he, I think he not he himself, but um, I think it was Yusuf later who says, yeah, you know, he um, certain uh, certain recruiters had certain lines that they'd use on people. You know, I wonder which one he said to you, you know. Um, which again, you know, it, it, it hits, it hits, uh, it hits Sarah, you know, exactly in the way that it's intended to, you know, cause she herself is still in that space of, I mean, earlier it says, you know, she, she, she was still at that age where she, you know, couldn't comprehend the mechanics or the reasons for a lie, you know, why somebody would say something and not believe it. Right. Right.
0: And, 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 and this guy, basically he, he teaches her, he treats her like she's intelligent. I mean, she is intelligent, but he, He's one of the only people who like the school there is, you know, it's terrible. And, and, and he's, you know, feeding her, he's feeding her literally. And he's like giving her honey, which she's never actually had real honey before. And he's feeding her knowledge and he's, he's speaking with her. Like she's smart and like, and like, like he takes her seriously or whatever. And he's no literally grooming her. And when right. she has this, not, not,
2: not in a sexual way, it should be bit very clear sure. Strictly yes. grooming, Strictly grooming to be grooming, a soldier. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, when I say literally, I mean like yes, he is grooming her to be a soldier. Yes, um, and he's giving her little tasks and paying her for mm-hmm. it and letting her carry out little tasks like delivering letters. And she trusts him, and he she he gives her this knife, and 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 you see this like relationship there. And and she is like, no, he's not like these other guys. He's like he's very smart. He's not like she contrasts him with the other soldiers, and mm, stuff like, right. it's not like that. And like, you know, of course, from the outside, we're like, oh, this guy's a piece of shit. Like, we realize that.
2: And well, we realize- I, I I don't know. I don't know that oh, I, I necessarily I mean, look, he's not well, yeah, a great guy. Yeah, okay. Well, he's not a great guy, obviously. Right. I'm not I'm not out here to defend the character of, of Albert sure. Gaines because what he is seeking to do is clearly not really coming from a place of of altruism. She's he's not just wanting to be nice to this kid, but I do think that there's something interesting about the way that he operates that that makes him like, I, I, I understand where he's coming from, even Mm -hmm. though I don't think that what he's doing is right. Um, I don't think that we are set up to loathe him necessarily and be like, oh wow, this, this fucking, you know, jag off, you know, he's not, um, (sighs) In, like, Christian media, you know, it's not like one of those things where he'd be presented as the evil atheist kind of character, right? No, no. There's there's more nuance. There's nuance and complexity there that I think is interesting. Maybe not quite as much as I would have loved to have seen, but also we're seeing this from Serret's perspective. So we're not privy to his Mm -hmm. motivations. We see her perspective on what it is that he is doing in a way that, to me, rang very, very true.
0: We had just already had that bit that Joss read about the recruiters, I believe, before we meet him. So mm-hmm. like that's ringing in my head when we meet him and I'm like, right. oh, OK, alarm bells like this is right. that guy. You are yeah. right, though, that he isn't just his his character isn't he's a bad guy, but he is. I mean, when you notice him, you know, like you it's not unclear what his motivations are. It's, I guess more along the lines of what I'm saying, like it's not unclear that he intends to turn her into a weapon.
1: Um, right, which is indelible it, from it the connection. From y'all, that, do y'all it, disagree with that? Well, I mean, it, it's it, it's it's indelible from the connection that he forges with her. I think, um, and I think just just by the very nature of just of how perfectly he he, he interse- his life intersects with hers when he gives her her first job, right, to run some money to we assume a family who's lost a uh, who's lost a family member in as uh, one of the rebels in the fighting, right? And he says to her, don't worry, this isn't a dare, it's a job, jobs pay. And she's mm-hmm. come now, um, she's literally just coming off of a dare that she's that she's had to go into yeah, this- Yeah, this uh, river of shit, yeah. Yeah, this, yeah. this, yeah. this culvert full of, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so you, Rivers, I mean- yeah. It, yeah, it, water it, metaphor,
2: it, yeah, or water motif.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly, you know, that that kind of low point. Drink in her every color. time. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. It, it kind of, so it kind of twigged something in me that, that, um, that it's, the wording of it was just so convenient, but I do... Um, I do also think that there is a genuine sort of connection that transcends the the groomer groomy sort of thing, um, because you find you only get a glimpse of this much much later. But he does have a daughter as well that enters that's into true. it, and that's kind of that's kind of how he says he feels about uh, about Sarah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't really we don't really get a sense after she properly commits to the rebel cause of that sort of thing, but I think it's there a little bit. He sells her out on behalf of his
0: daughter at one point, which is like, you know, understandable. Um, like an understandable why someone would sell someone out on behalf of saving their family's life. So there's that too. Like the last line he says in the book is he over, and over is like saying, My daughter, my daughter. He's like saying mm-hmm. that they, they would have had when he's like very old and ancient in that shed at the mm-hmm. end of his life. But he's I, I, I guess, I guess maybe I'm being I'm not sure. I don't know that I agree that he their the relationship goes beyond him seeing her as a weapon i mean he's he smiles. i mean he smiles when she's like i want to kill them and after family's dead Mm -hmm. but like i also can see why you would see otherwise i I think in the character's head he may be doing more
2: um well i I, the way i see it is i think that he thinks that he is providing the best possible future for her sure that's
0: that's that's fair enough so like
2: like, yeah He sees a world uh, of just relentless pain, suffering and war. He -hmm. sees a kid who is very apt for it, who physically is about to become an absolute fucking unit. And I think that he is in many ways trying to prepare her for that world. Now, does he also maybe have uh, avaristic motivation in terms of like loyalty and, you know, the extent to which he wants to wield that weapon to his own ends sure maybe but at the same time she is searching for something in her life in terms of purpose and motivation she hasn't found it in the things that the rest of her family is doing Mm -hmm. uh, and certainly not her sister and so she needs a reason to be and he is giving her that reason
1: that's yes true. yes and and you know and he pulls it directly from his history you know that is that is uh his dad says you know the only truly stable profession right is blood work the work of the surgeon the soldier the butcher you know as long as there's even a single man alive you know there's always going to be a use for that sort of thing you know so and that's... he was a u.s soldier right mm-hmm. am,
0: am i yes. am i right in that that's how he met his friend uh his friend right Joe? You, yes yes because yes. he yeah he fought in
1: he in... served in afghanistan iraq So it says the old war, right? He's in his like 70s, 80s by the end of the book. So when he would have been in the army, right, it would be very late 2020s at the earliest 2030s. So there's some, yeah, there's some idea... It was
2: probably in this world some sort of a war that broke out due to the unification of the Boise uh, Union and the United Mm -hmm. States sent troops over at that time to try to secure the Gulf. And then if you want to extrapolate from there, I imagine that led to a decrease in military power projection. Maybe they sank a carrier or something like that, which Mm -hmm. is why, uh, you know, the Navy was not as powerful as they used to be. And I could see that then leading to.
0: That would have been where he met Joe um, overseas. Um, And Joe being this like, you know, this Guy who works for the Bozzi Empire um, and is basically supplying weapons and in different materials to people in the South for you know reasons we've already reasons we've already mentioned because they want the U.S. to stay unstable because as he says later and it's kind of like a roll credits moment uh, when there's an American war or, or everyone fights an American war. Yes, um, the the results of this war are obviously very important for the world um they obviously have historical merit he says we used to fight wars with your guns and our blood and of course now they're fighting the war with our blood and their guns
1: mm-hmm.
0: um you know irony of course um and we you know a lot of listeners of the show will understand you know of the U.S.'s relation to the middle east has not always just been intervention directly but also you know dropping massive amount of arms on volatile situations i mean i you know you can look into the formation of the taliban Mu'ad-Din and all that um you know, and so that's like listen
2: to blowback.
0: <laughs> listen to blowback. Yeah, yes. that's honestly season four coming soon. So excited. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is what makes be it up, so yes.
1: funny um, in a in a dark sort of way that the I'm United right, sure. States, well, the, the, the United States is essential, eventually loses control of its drone fleet in this setting, right? Mm-hmm. There's some oh, sort, of, yeah. the, there's some the sort of attack on a, uh, on like this, the commands, the nerve center of its drone fleet, um, the birds, as people call them. And then you have these drones that are just like, you know, zooming around the whole country just arbitrarily picking targets. And right. now it's the United States that has that experience of being arbitrarily, you know, you know, hell rained on them, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Which is how um Dana eventually dies in yes. just a, a random bird attack. And by random I mean truly random. No one was right. at the controls.
2: It's, um it's just doing his thing. In terms of sort of the the Boazizi Union and its uh, relationship with the states at that time, you also get an interesting excerpt here from another one of those like found historical documents or whatever, uh, uh, remarks by the president uh, of of this uh, empire which it says is delivered at Ohio State University, uh, not the Ohio State University. I don't know if this man <laughs> realized the uh, aggression that he made toward the state of Ohio there, but I do appreciate it as a Michigan man myself. Yo, we, we
0: have to. We have to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My 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 husband's side of the family comes from Michigan, so they would they would appreciate that as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but basically in this speech, he talks about how, you know, their union technically will not support either side it is not the policy of the government to truly provide military support to one of these countries they want to you know maintain the 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 american spirit or whatever um you know but they they, at the same time that they are in again he is saying this in a speech to people at ohio state so in the union uh my people the people of B- the Buizizi union who decades ago demanded from their rulers the very same liberation your revolutionaries once demanded of theirs stand ready as allies to assist in any way we can so they're playing both sides which makes yeah. sense you would expect yeah, to come out on top yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah
0: and you could almost hear behind that with a very generous loan with very generous interest rates like you mm-hmm. know because that's the position they're in Yep. And I mean, they even say they're like, they're an empire and empire is what the US used to be. That's like a direct quote or yes. what we used to be. Yes, the right, orchestrator
1: around which like weaker things spin, that game says, you mm-hmm. know. Yep. And again, China's yeah. at
0: place somewhere in there, but it doesn't, we don't hear as much about China. Uh If China's intervening in the war, we don't really know. We just know they're sending over gift ships. As
2: they yeah, they, they mentioned Russia uh and uh, russia briefly, is aligned yeah. uh with the the sort of south i think it's it sort of implied that russia actually is more explicitly supporting uh the south in this mm-hmm. world than mm-hmm. the the Boise's union is but again it's all in the form of uh humanitarian shipments and then illicit arms drops as well
0: And mexico meanwhile just got its old land back basically right, like- right. <laughs> um with the mexican protectorate not really sure what's going on beyond that but you know and i think those are the only countries that are europe gets mentioned as it has refugees leaving europe Mm -hmm. there's like a mention
1: of like zion out west and mormons doing their own thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we know the mormons are doing something wild in this world that that tracks i mean that's extremely realistic Mm -hmm. oh 100
0: no 100 it's um no doubt no doubt at all okay well let me see so next next what happens is uh they moved after this slaughter, the, uh, you know, the Southern government, um, one thing they seem to be really serious about is, uh, you know, paying pensions to like widows and widowers and victims of the war. Uh, that just seemed, you know, since the war is so much in their blood, the idea of the victims of the war, the veterans, the, the mothers and daughters that left behind are so serious that they like, you know, they, they give them massive amounts of not massive amounts of money, but a lot of money enough to live on. They give them land. Um, and that's their little family, the three of them move out to this little, uh, to this little house, um, you know, um, her brother, the brother is of course, um, you know, he's, he's disabled now and they've got a caretaker for him, Karina. Um, she, she is, um, and she's, uh, kind of like refers to herself as the help, but she's also mostly the, uh, caretaker of Simon.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, from the Bangladeshi Isles. Yes.
0: Yes. And. Kind of, I'm not quite sure what to make of her. It's very strange that she's like taking care of Simon and then marries him later, but that it is noted as strange as well. Like that's a thing in contention. It's like Sarah is like very mad at her for having this relationship with Simon that at first she's like, Are you sleeping with him? And I was like, Oh, that's a terrible thing to accuse her of. And then later I was like, Oh, wait, was there was mm-hmm. there something to that? Uh, I guess so. Or maybe it was later. Not sure. But They've got this sort of thing going on while Sarah is spending years basically doing guerrilla work. Um, We don't know everything that she gets up to, but the main thing, the thing that matters the most she gets up to is she kills General Wayland Senior, who is a Wayland Wayland, something along those lines. And he's a he's a big wig up north, big wig right in now, the northern yeah. army. And uh the the sides were kind of cooling. There was talk about peace and this flares things right back up.
1: Mm
2: i i wanted to note that you know we had talked about how uh Elikad's background is in you know combat journalism and stuff like that yeah and the action sequences i think are the best written parts of this book I, yeah, um, I feel you on that. Uh so the the massacre at the refugee camp is horrifying terrible. uh and the reason that it of course needs to be that way is for it to provide the motivation for sarah to continue her basically campaign of revenge against the mm-hmm. government that did this to her. Right. for um, you to get it.
0: Yeah. As the reader.
2: And then mm-hmm. in parallel to that, when she goes and she fucking, you know, snipes this general, which is again, numerous pages of just describing what she has to do, how she has to prep, how she goes out there, the tactics in the field. Tell
0: what she does with her waist, like everything. Yeah. It's all you're, in there.
2: And you're cheering her on, on some level. Well, you're like, okay. yeah, fucking get them, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting.
0: Cause, uh, And then that this has, you know, repercussions of, you know, maybe even the book kind of notes like, yeah, this was good for the Southern morale until the North was like, okay, fuck you. We're putting that guy's son in charge of the military. And we're going all in, like we're bombing the hell out of you. And that guy ends up becoming the president, uh, the, the, the son, uh, Will and junior. Um, but it is, you know, for her, this moment of victory, she's striking back. It's the highest target. Her friend Marcus kind of fed her the information, um, no not too interested in that i don't know if, if y'all have much feeling on marcus no i tied to the past
2: yeah it's he comes back a couple more times i i think the the real sort of interesting thing about it is how you know she is doing most of this clandestinely mm-hmm. um this is not this doesn't seem to be I, I don't know if either of you got the sense that it was with the official support of the southern government but it no. doesn't seem no. like no. it
1: no i don't think no so. i mean by, by 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 the time i think that she does mount that assassination attempt like the the rebels have been largely brought under a single umbrella um there's some tension i think between the fss army and the rebel like irregulars but but the days the days of her brother you know joining the like 10 man virginia cavaliers you know any of those guys running wild are largely over
0: yeah because it's a, basically a privatized or or if not privatized then like you know brought together unofficial like military group under this father and son, the Braggs, Uh, Mm a lot of thought, like a lot of like parent and junior in this book. Uh, You know, you have Bragg senior and Bragg junior. You have Layla senior and Layla junior, Waylon senior, Waylon junior, Bud Baker senior and Bud Baker junior. That's a repeating thing that happens through the book. Not sure what to make of it, but is a thing that continuously is, is recurring, but you've got these like guys and they're, uh, this book doesn't deal a whole lot, like we said earlier, a lot with class, a whole lot with like capitalists. It doesn't deal a whole lot with like owners and workers. Um, this is a society that has in a lot of ways uh, collapsed to the sense of like a lot of people are just like foragers. Um, a lot of people like the characters in this book are mostly just living off the state or off of charity. So they really aren't really workers in the sense that mm-hmm. they are working for a wage at any point. Um I guess you can kind of see the Braggs as capitalists if you want to see them as like kind of like Blackwater guys or something like a mercenary leaders. Uh and, and there's a little bit of reference to uh in it when they go to Atlanta to meet these guys that like the rich people live in Atlanta it has a term for them that was interesting. It refers to them as neo-grandees, um, as the owners of like the sweatshops and the vertical
1: farms and that stuff. Because mm-hmm. there's but no like oil parents. About property.
0: Sorry, Josh, go, go say
1: that again the because the, there's no like because you're absolutely right you know there's still this there's still this um there's still this owning class certainly but there's no like oil barons right so even even the economic motive even what the book says about the south shackling itself to this ruinous fuel even that motivation has kind of disappeared because nobody's ex- nobody's exporting the oil from uh, the united states you know that 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 connection to the world um and the petrodollar you know all that context for American economic hegemony has been lost.
2: Yeah. It's not a valuable commodity anymore. Nobody's actually trading in it.
0: It's spite. Right. And, and And the South is not really producing much of value at all. Like the fruit and stuff it's doing is mostly, it's not subsistence in the sense of everyone's growing their own thing, but it's like it, you get the idea that like the food they grow gets immediately eaten by the people around there. There's not a whole lot of export. There's not a lot of cash coming in. Um, They just they don't have a lot in general. Um, A lot of just the areas that were valuable were scorched, destroyed by climate change. And what what they did have, what we currently have, got blown to hell um, Mm -hmm. in the first days of fighting.
2: I also think, uh, Jacob, to your point of like the junior versus senior thing or whatever, it's not he's not interested really in generational wealth accumulation mm-hmm. but what he is interested in is generational cycles of revenge mm-hmm. um and that i think is more of a narrative thing than it is a commentary on anything sociological or political yeah mm-hmm. i agree
0: um i'm, I'm trying to think of what what i want to go into like they spend she spent some time in augusta which like there's some world building there um and then she's, you know, spend some time with the character that'll come back around later. Layla and Layla Jr. They're in this, they're in this bar. You know, mm. you see kind of how the world is working, this economy living on gift There's shifts.
2: They all go to a battle royale. Uh yeah, one the of the guys thing. gets the, the last man standing uh kills his opponent in the ring. Yeah. Guy gets yes. fucking killed. Yes,
1: and it's a it, it's a it's a northern brutal. It's a it's it's a northern southern sort of uh, sort of um, representation that we have here. Let me just scroll to it because it's pretty. Um, yeah, here we go. The defending champion, nineteen year old from Hattiesburg, named Joshua, who fought under the moniker Wraith. Um, there was a rumor he'd once spent time with the Sovereigns, uh, which was a militia fighting in East Texas when he was only thirteen. It was a lie invented to blunt another rumor that the fighter was in fact the son of Northerners. Right, and then you have this other you have this other dude who is um who is uh, his challenger and so you, you, you there's this there's this north south kind of divide that you can see obliquely where um uh the northern guy wins pretty decisively but his challenger refuses to go down and you know tries tries to you know open hand slap him you know weak yeah. as he is right and so what does the champ do he ends up killing him
2: I kind of want to read that just because it it speaks to we've talked about the way that he like writes combat and writes violence and leaves you in a pretty visceral place with it Uh, without like always being totally explicit. uh, He he leaves a lot of it open to your imagination in terms of uh, what's going on. So, you know, content warning for extreme violence, I guess. Um, As they spoke, the challenger stumbled onto his one working foot he limped toward the edge of the cage and threw himself against the body of the champ. There was nothing left of him now, but weight, And with it, he knocked his opponent back against the side of the cage and onto the ground. The champ screamed in pain as he fell an unsmooth protrusion in the mesh of the cage. had cut a deep gash all the way along the length of his chest. Blood poured from the wound and spilled out the boundaries of the ring. Hmm. In a moment, the champ was standing again enraged he knelt over his motionless opponent and beat him until the trainers and the crowd and all who watched knew he was dead
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and you know not 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 just that um, not just that he kills him in the ring right but that everybody watching knows that he makes an example right. of him
2: right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nobody okay. does this to me
0: and there is like an interesting moment where yeah there's the interesting moment of him being like what am i supposed to do the guy won't surrender i guess i gotta you know it's a it's a weird it's a weird uh dynamic um you get briefly that um her uh uh, you get briefly that sarah and layla jr have a relationship um there's like yeah they bone yeah (laughs) there's sex sex um and it's a violent and she's sarah is an angry another reminder that sarah is a very angry person
2: um and it's, you get it's, that it's not a sorry, super sorry. explicit sex scene though i mean it's no, it, it's more just mechanically being like this is one of the only people who sarah feels like she can be sort of soft around mm-hmm. uh and then the moment that she's done having sex the walls immediately go back up because mm-hmm. at this point she is A shell of a person she is increasingly nothing but as you said jacob a a weapon
0: the most interesting part of that scene to me is not the interaction with her and layla but the fact that it makes like a whole point of if she can tell someone else has been in a bed she doesn't want to lay in it and she thought that was really cool yeah yeah and it's interesting because it's not like she's a grossed out person gets grossed out easily earlier in the book she like pisses her own pants and is fine with it because she has to to make the shot like she has this just, she can't touch other people. She's got whatever. It's like, this is the same person who was able to like stand in human shit, but like has this discomfort with other, like this, this, this boundary, which is of course like, you know, the nature of reaction, the nature of mm-hmm. radicalization. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, and I, yeah, I, I found that to be a good detail. Um, and, you know, it can't, uh, and, and and she seems like she's got a good thing going. She seems like, uh, you know, she's got, She's she just killed this general guy. Things are gonna keep going. She's got another plan to kill a colonel or or some shit and uh, like some big guy. And then boom, North comes in, takes her to a prison uh, in Sugarloaf, Sugarloaf Mountain, new in uh in Florida. Is yeah, not the- not
2: Sugarloaf uh, up in what Maine, which is what I thought it was gonna be. It was gonna be Minnesota. Hold on, where is Sugarloaf again?
1: <laughs> There's a Sugarloaf in Minnesota.
2: Uh, Sugarloaf Ski. Yeah, it's in Maine. Um, it's 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 one of the... In a, a place like Sugarloaf, being a mountain would actually be a very reasonable place to put a prison of war if you mm. wanted to because it would be pretty difficult to attack. Mm,
0: yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. And it's... it's. Uh, I mean, that, those this part is horrific, of course. The prison yeah. is just... It's brutal.
2: It's, yeah, this is just what they do at Guantanamo, basically. Yeah, it's, um, and, and
0: he covered Guantanamo, so like... Right. You, you you can see that in there and it's being done, you know, yes. that whole, you know, I, fascism is when imperialism comes home kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh, the, and the way tortured and, and they don't actually have information on her on the stuff she really did that mm-hmm. they would actually string her up for. It's like, they just have her name on a list of hundreds of names. Mm -hmm.
1: And notably, you know, her name, uh, her, her, her Christian name, right. Her birth name, right. Sarah without the T. Right. And that's what immediately sort of twigs in her head. Oh, these people don't know anything.
0: Yeah. And they don't know her mother's dad. And, Mm -hmm. and, and it's like, they like ask her about like a car bombing or something. And she's like, Oh, okay. Um, She's like, these people don't know shit. And she holds out for quite a while. um, And you've got a whole part where, you know, it describes some pretty brutal torture, and you've got a whole part where she's straining to see the sea, and she can't, you know, more, more, more water. Um, and uh, and we should note shortly before this, we already said it, but Dana does die shortly before her kidnapping. Uh, mm-hmm. We've talked about it. It's not. It's just another really bad thing that happens to her. I don't honestly have a whole lot to say about it. I think the girl on the bed ended at the knees. Yes, that that was good. I liked I liked that description. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I don't know. I I wish I had a little more from Dana. um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's not a huge deal. It's a thing I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. Um, But this just not there, but she does notably have this idea of when I die, no matter where they bury me, my ashes, or my body or my flesh or whatever becomes of me, will end up back in the water eventually because all rivers are connected. And Dana is in the river and I will be reunited with Dana and Dana Mm -hmm. is like, you know, her comfort person when she is terrified she thinks of dana when she dreams of dana when she's having like a bad dream
2: yeah And um, in, in that yeah. scene uh after she uh has sex with layla uh layla leaves and she wakes she, she you know sleeps through the night and then finds herself in the morning wanting to feel something and so she just imagines her sister there with her in that moment not mm-hmm. not in a sexual way obviously just like in no, uh, no, this no. is my comfort person way
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and they are twins, um, even though they don't look anything alike. And so like, there's, you know, something of that in there, but yeah, she eventually does though in in prison to, to bring around the water motif, get waterboarded. And that's right. what breaks her.
2: And um, once again, the description of it, I'm, I'm not going to read that one, but it visceral. is, it, it lets you know
1: what waterboarding feels like. Yeah, that's um, what it does.
0: And that's what they do to people. Yep. Um, yeah.
1: Just, you know, simulated drowning, you know, and, 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 and I mean, earlier throughout the book, you know, it's, it's a comfort, it's a comfort image of hers, right? Swimming in right. the Tennessee river and feeling connected to every other body of water, every other, um, every other part of the world in this way. And now they take this fundamental force and they turn it against her.
0: Yep. Right. And, and she then confesses, but she confesses notably to everything. Cause that's what happens when people get tortured a right. lot of the time is they just are sort of like, yep, yep. I did that. I'll sign that. Yep. 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 I, I, I agree the to thing- all of it.
2: And the thing she doesn't confess to is the thing that she actually did because yeah. they didn't know that she was the one who did that. Because it turns out later on in the book, somebody else had confessed to that falsely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a, I think this is a really clever work of like it does a really interesting job here of taking the water motif that we've been hearing throughout and like you said pulling it back in a way where her comfort thing is now the thing that is being used to harm her and so it makes sense that this is what breaks her this is Mm. something that uh aligns her as a character and what we know about her and so it breaks our heart to see this happen to her but it also i think makes a really poignant uh point about the nature of torture and waterboarding specifically mm-hmm. without just being like torture is bad okay like it, <laughs> it 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 helps you get it i think in a way that you might not get it just from reading about the horrible things that the united states has done to prisoners of war uh and others uh, over the course of the many many years that our mm-hmm. great empire has been doing the things it's been doing
0: right exactly And, and, and she's, you know, spends some more time in prison. She interacts with this guy named Bud. Who's just this like really shitty guard. This just big, this big, terrible guy. Who's, you know, one of the guys to like threaten her the most and just has this bad relationship with her. And yeah, Yeah. she's, she's breaks down and she spends seven years in that prison. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, she's a, she's a complete mess. And by the time they let her out, they let her out cuz the war's coming to an end and they're like hey we don't really there's no point in us having this woman here uh you know it describes her as she's still big but she's like you know gained fat because she's just sat there and 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 like so she's not she's not this like buff like um you know strong lean girl girl anymore she's gained fat and she's hunched over and her knees are ruined and uh she's like grown out hair which she immediately cuts but like cuts her own scalp and i mean mm-hmm. it's it's pretty horrendous uh, it's mm-hmm. a really and it even says the the crop of women that get off with her like three, like kill themselves in like a few weeks. Did Um, you,
2: did you find this to be like over the top brutal? Like, uh, I get it. Like that's enough of the misery for now kind of thing. Or did it work for you?
0: Honestly, the time that I felt that in the book was not here. I felt that when Dana died a little bit. Um, cause I was like, okay, sure. Um, Dana's dead. Like that's another bad thing. Mm -hmm. I can see why you would feel that way. What, what What do you think, Joss? Was it Was it a little much, or do you think it was just like this is what fucking happens?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I I'm I accept the stark reality that's on dis, that's on display here. I don't think he belabors the point too much. You know, there's there's certain there's certain bits of bits and pieces of the prose that uh, that kind of struck me as a little as a little laying it on too thick. You know, there's one early on about uh like rebels escaping you know going toward this uh, death because and this text explicitly says because there's escaping the slow death of you know stagnation and boredom at home and it's just like you know just just call them just call them walking corpses in search of more comfortable graves so i like, get a little poetic but like no mm. you know the the yeah the, no the violence i don't think i don't think was was too i don't think it was injudiciously used
2: Okay, I I don't think so either. I was just curious uh, Mm -hmm. to to because that's I remember the first time I read the book being Mm -hmm. like, okay, this is like I get it, but I didn't really have that reaction this time around, and and I I wasn't sure if that was just like a me thing or what.
0: Maybe the years you've just been like, oh, you just
2: desensitized.
0: Could be, could be. Uh,
2: Um, It's also worth noting that um, when. Sarah gets released from the prison because the war is over um, at this point, this is also where we do get what we were mentioning earlier, the like found diary of the southern recruiter where he's writing about the manipulation techniques that he uses, so Mm -hmm. we get that piece as sort of a additional knife. After she's been released from this prison where she's just been suffering, 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 suffering. Now we also get explicit confirmation that Gaines was just, you know, it's basically his fault that she ended up there uh, because of the manipulative tactics that he used. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yes. Um, Found cause, as it's called.
0: mm -hmm. I thought a lot of... um... I don't, I don't know why I thought of V for Vendetta so much after this part, I guess, because she gets out of the prison and she's been tortured. And then that's like when she's got, mm-hmm. but this is like V for Vendetta if it actually happened um which is she gets out of prison and yeah maybe she wants to do an act of mass violence she's not going to get out of prison and be like a liberated person or whatever Right. yes
1: well and also and also like i mean the because the classical conditioning that you see in v for vendetta like brings the natalie portman character around to the cause in question but you know it's the i mean the opposite effect we see here in uh sarah right by the end of the book she's been completely stripped of that sort of, um, you know, she still has the revenge, certainly Jacob is to say, but she's stripped of sort of the ideological motivation for it by the end. Yeah, um, yeah. She says, "Fuck the
0: South," when she's offered yes, a medal. yes, because because
1: right. it, it becomes it degenerates into a game of everybody else accusing each other, everybody else of being a sellout, right? You know, the we see it when the um when the laborers on her uh, brother and her sister in law Karina's estate are gossiping about her. They call her a blue nose. They call her a pocket mouth. Um, Cause that's a thing in this setting, you know, people get lynched with their pockets stuffed in their mouths, you know, because they're mm-hmm. sellouts. Right. And that's, and that's now what she's perceived as, mm-hmm. you know, the, even though, even though by, by the criteria established by the, uh, by the Southern rebels up to this point, you know, she's been their, their uh, one of their strongest patriots.
0: Right. She should by all accounts be kind of considered like, you know, the saint, but like when she comes back, she no longer embodies that the way she used to. She used to be strong and like terrifying or whatever. And now they'll still like, you know, people will come around and pay respect, but people don't really want to, like, her family will, but like others, I don't think are happy to see how she looks. I, I think, mm-hmm. I, but it, it except Joseph, Joseph uh, or Joe, um, which his actual name is what, Yusuf, Yusuf Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. He uh, he sees in her kind of that, like, okay, now she's ready to do, take the big step to right. do the, to do mm-hmm. the the mass killing of who yes. Knows how many people yes like which,
1: which people. is which is interesting to Super-coded me because um she's uh, she's at the end of it and by this time of course like the political context is that they're talking about reunification right the war is finally kind of petered out um there's this six-year negotiation process from 2089 to 2095 right and she's she wouldn't be wrong necessarily to suggest that the, uh, the leaders of the free Southern state are kind of sellouts because there's not, um, we were talking about this the other day, like, um, they go to the negotiating table. Right. And they're more concerned with the aesthetics of it. Right. They right. sweep aside. That all was the, interesting. Uh, yeah. Yes. They sweep aside all the sort of like economic, like preamble to it. And they say, first of all, we don't want to hear the word surrender, right? Yeah, here's that. Yeah, and, you know, they all. They I actually, yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to read a little bit of that. Yeah, God bless it, yeah. Yeah. This is
2: this is another one of those, um, you know, in-world supplemental pieces. Uh, this is excerpted from reasonably satisfactory and encouraging to all an oral mm-hmm. history of the reunification talks, mm-hmm. and uh, this is written by a peace uh, a peace negotiator from the federal government. Um, and he talks, you know, about like, OK, you know, I was prepping and I was just ready to hear whatever would be on the table. And he says uh, in this in this book, then the first day of negotiations came around. I remember we were meeting in a large boardroom in the bedroom, uh, the bedroom, in the basement <laughs> of the peace office. There were five of us on the union side, a small delegation because we had no real authority. Everything had to be approved later on in the executive building but when the south's biggest negoti when, when south negotiating team showed up there must have been two dozen of them each one had a different title director of revolutionary this secretary of patriotic that one guy gave me his card. It said he was a constitutional defense officer. <laughs> we thought they'd want to start with travel restrictions or amnesty for all those rebels we had sitting in the detention camps, or maybe they were desperate and would want to talk money. They'd held out for so long with their stubborn resilience on uh, their stubborn reliance on fossil fuels while the rest of the world moved on. Their cities were falling apart and we thought we could get them to make all kinds of concessions in exchange for infrastructure money. Um, But I still remember the very first day, their chef de mission sits at the table, pushes the agenda aside without reading it, and says to us, first things first, I don't want to hear a single one of you ever use the word surrender. Turns out they didn't give a damn about travel restrictions or prisoner swaps or any of those things. For three days straight, all they wanted to do was haggle over the wording of the reunification day speeches and the preamble of the peace agreement. Absolutely. Um, And then at the very end, he goes along and he says, you know in the end columbus went along with it and even today all these years later we live with the consequences they Mm -hmm. didn't understand they didn't they just didn't understand you fight the war with guns you fight the peace with stories Mm -hmm. and i think that's really interesting
0: it is and it's a it's a question that i like i ask like it is true to an extent. And it's also true that that's what that's knowing South and know I've met like even Southern politicians, like, yeah, that's, that that's, that's accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh, we're going to need this and we're going to need that. And you're going to stick out your hand first. And it's, it's right. all, you know uh, you know, inverted hospitality into this horrifying, uh, it's uh, such pageantry. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Literal pageantry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it is interesting talking about, we fight the war with guns. We fight the peace with stories and the idea of, okay. We now make this mythology around the war, just like we've made Mm -hmm. the mythology around every war we've ever fought uh, in, in this country. And where does that take us? You know, where does the mythology around our civil war that we, you know, are the actual, you know, civil war. Right. uh, Where does that leave us? Well, Mm -hmm. where, you know, well, I mean, Joss and I know we see fucking Confederate flags all the time. I see them like almost daily. Like it it's, you know, and in that the stuff that comes with. I know what I was taught in classrooms in my high school was called it the war of northern aggression.
2: Mm-hmm, but that's mm-hmm. still
0: that that's a that's a term that terminology gets thrown around that allows for that sort of radicalism. Um, and that right wing radicalism, that that alienation, all of that, that feeling of we were wrong, that feeling of, oh, you know, this, that, and the other. And that the idea of like these things are going to continue on because the war is, you know, not over. Um, one wonders how much capacity there is to fight anything after hundred million people die. But like the idea of the, the idea is, yeah, this, this story is, is not going to be one where um, it's not going to be. Yeah,
1: it's not gonna be I well. s- still burned into my memory from like 4th grade is this apocryphal story that we learned in um in uh, when we were learning about the Civil War about uh Robert E Lee giving water to a wounded Union soldier. What? Right? And it's just like I
0: heard that one. I heard that yes, one. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. And you know, where the soldiers like hurrah for the Union, you know, and it's like, you know, he's he's portrayed as kind of the, like the spiteful guy you know he was like the sore winner or whatever and it's like why do we need to hear this story why does it matter that you know that this guy was um was you know that that he was so noble yeah you know it's you know know, he was he was a slaver you know and he fought and he fought for the disenfranchisement of black people like long after the war ended and that's and that's where um right before the uh the end of uh, the excerpt that you read this really stood out to me i think Mm. um uh, I think it's 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 my standout phrase for here. I told the president's people if we go along with this, if we nod and smile while they parade some fantasy about this being a noble disagreement between equals and not a bloody fight over the stubborn commitment to a ruinous fuel, the war will never really be over because that's yeah. the thing you know it's the compromise of 1877 all over again it's the end of reconstruction it's pulling out federal troops um that were that you know were' preserving the uh integration of black Americans into the political into the political and public sphere right it's this allowance of the south to create this uh this lost cause mythology that is still you know perniciously around and has to be constantly dismantled and and fought against you know it's it and that's that's what the thesis of this book um, contends with. You know, this is a country that has never been allowed to heal and is mm-hmm. actively, in fact, resisting it. I, th-
2: I think, though, that there is one piece that he misses here because yeah. he's exactly right about the narratives, you know. And and again, you go you go back to Reconstruction, you're exactly right. So much of it was the Lost Cause narrative and the fact that it persevered even after the Civil War. But the reason that was able to happen was, of course, because of the material conditions, right? Mm-hmm. And that is missing, yes. And Because, you know, that is, that is every bit as important. It is what did or did not happen to these plantations. What did or did not happen in terms of equal protection of the laws. And it was policy decisions uh, yes. being made by the Johnson government that allowed all of that to happen. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't as if the story would have continued to have the same purchase had reconstruction gone through in the way originally envisioned. And so this misses the point on that a little bit. And I don't know if it's just, you know, his understanding of American history or his understanding of what happens in geopolitics, or if it's just that he wanted to, you know, do a cute little metaphor. I'm not sure, but it does feel like it misses the mark just a little bit. It does. It
0: feels a little bit like it's like if we took down all the the Southern General statues that everything right, would be right, which was obviously, right. a, you know, obviously, and of course, they should take on the Southern General statues, no doubt. And then they mm-hmm. took down some of them. Of course, I don't like like that. There are middle schools in Georgia named Robert E. Lee Middle School or Jefferson right, right. Middle School. That's terrible. But that's not. If you remove that, there's still going to be fucking racism. There's still going to be poverty. There's still going to mm-hmm. be climate change. So that that is where you reach that contention, and that is where you kind of hit the liberalism of the book. Mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you you hit it there. And you also hit it when you are talking about these governments without talking much about like capital interests, because you right. don't, you, despite having some like, you know, there's some rich guys out there like, yeah, that, that's definitely a thing that's in the ether. But it is not, there's not a lot of discussion over, okay, um, you know, who where is capital siding in this war? I mean, like maybe oil capital, but it's gone by the time this right. like narrative is even important. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of washed up. Now, an interesting, I I could see an interesting book of like where it's a book about oil oligarchs launching an insurrection. And maybe he, he, it just doesn't touch on that. And he has an idea that there's a lot more of that money going into this. Uh, There's not a lot of discussion of that. But yeah, the class nature of it. And of course, some of Mm -hmm. that just comes down to the fact that these characters are not workers. Like we were saying, they Mm -hmm. just don't have jobs. Um, And when when, uh, later in the book, you know, when, when Simon and Karina have their like, their house it's just like they're kind of selling their selling their produce that they grow they're like subsistence isn't the right word but they're selling off just what they grow they're not really workers as in working for a wage
2: well they don't need to be because they are their entire life is paid for by uh the generosity of the public who see them as heroes and so Mm -hmm. they're just going to have all the money they ever need
0: right and it's a weird and, and it's so it's it's a weird like if not omission then um, definitely like a weird thing that like I wish it had looked into more and the writer, he might've just been like, well, that wasn't the point. And it's like, that's fair enough. But when you are looking at these conditions on such a big scale, one does wonder like, okay, where's the money at? Where Where's the, mm. um, you know.
2: But I think also for him, uh, the precision of that stuff is less interesting to him than just the general role reversal of what if you were the, occupied Empire you know yeah. what if it was a, a great big foreign empire somewhere else that was calling the shots for how you live that that's mm. that's really fundamentally what he's interested in
0: that is true and, and and of course it's an interesting you know and it's an interesting thing to think about and it's an interesting thing to engage with I just uh you know it it it, it definitely you know is worth thinking about and deconstructing and it's like okay so what is the you know form of this government how right. much of because one, it gets the impression that the Southern government actually is basically running everything um, in the South, like all the industries. And I don't know if that's actually the case or not, but I was like, have they completely nationalized all their it, industries it, for the war? I don't know.
2: Yeah, it seems to be like a mixed-ish economy with fascist mm-hmm. characteristics. Mm-hmm. It is yeah, it definitely it that. appears to be the, the nature of the economy. But yeah, I mean, it just, if he were the kind of writer who... I, if I, I imagine if he were an economics journalist rather than a uh, combat journalist, mm. there would be big, long pieces about how the economy is structured, you know,
1: mm. this, you this yeah, would be a uh, ministry for the future. Right? Mm. <clears throat> we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the the yeah. And that's the thing. Right? It's he's again, you know, it's not necessarily about it's not necessarily about war in that sense, in that um, economic it's about its ruin. It's about, <laughs> am I right? and, and, you know, to come, I mean, to come back to that, he's much more interested in what it does to individuals and how mm-hmm. sort of your individual spite, your individual trauma can sort of reignite these because remember, you know, the, the, um, we, we kind of glossed over it earlier, but her killing of the general sort of puts a pause on um, peace talks that are intended to take place. And, you know, this stuff is, uh, is, you know, it chugs along the war a little more. And, um, and it's here, um, it's a further sort of it's it's a further sort of act of spite that's not even that's not even for the South's benefits. Um, um I'm I'm referring to the final decision that she makes, which is she's approached by Yusuf. And Yusuf tells her, you know, that I come from I come from this empire that's uh here we go. My people created an empire, it's young now. We intend it to be the most powerful empire in the world. For that to happen, other empires must fail. And what he's proposing to her is. Yusuf has made contact with the guy who thought he had a cure for the plague that destroyed South Carolina, but the cure ended up, um, it was the slow plague, right? And the cure ended up inducing some kind of like frenzy that, uh, that kills people instead. Yeah, like, it was
0: the, uh, COVID vaccine. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, no. yes. They had a glorious moment of like 10G and then the internet crashes their brains. Yeah. Right, um, there you go. Yeah. Just but, proteins yeah. shedding everywhere. <laughs> And he and he comes to her. He's like, hey, I've made contact with this guy who has this serum that'll that'll uh, create in somebody Mm. um, this even worse plague. And we want you to be the vector for that plague. Go north to the reunification uh, celebration in Columbus, Ohio, where the uh, American capital has moved to and unleash this. Right. Because that's the thing. Right. Reunification to Yusuf. Presents this sort of threat that's like oh you know even the united states like even in its um even in its sort of crippled state even in its uh blasted and um and barely barely reunified state um there's still the there's still this like specter of its resurgence that he wants to prevent which is interesting is interesting to me um because i'm not, i'm not really sure that um i mean obviously yusuf's the villain here you know and one and once, once sees spite from there certainly, but one also sees spite in what sarah is doing because, as as I said, she well, says naturally, yeah, yeah, because she says, "Fuck this stuff and everything it stands for." You know, she's offered, she's offered, um, what what is she offered exactly by the Brags at Stone Mountain? Uh, uh, well, they she gets offered a
0: star that's like a symbol of like a medal
1: that was never given
0: out. Yeah, yes, you mean right. that? yes. Mm-hmm. it's like a yeah.
1: shitty
2: pin, and she's like, yeah. "I don't want your pin. Fuck you." you know
1: she's been she's been kind of chewed up and and spit out which is which is an interesting irony to me you know she's she is you know because she's at stone mountain is where she's talking to the brags after this offer has been extended to her right stone mountain as we know you know birthplace of the ku klux Klux klan twice once a hundred years ago the second time in like the 60s 70s um it's a symbol of reaction it's a symbol of white supremacy historically um we and literally, here, like, dealt with some, like, neo-Confederates there, like, a
0: month ago. Like, oh, their yeah. like, big well, old conference and fire on mm-hmm. cannons and shit. Like, it's, it's happening
1: all yeah, the time. just, yeah.
2: And I don't know that we actually mentioned that Sarah is black.
1: Yes, yes, and that's the supreme We, we probably should
2: have mentioned that earlier in the episode, <laughs> that, like, so much of also what's going on in the dynamic here is, yeah, it is agents of white supremacy using her to further mm-hmm. the ends of what is presumably a, a racist fascist state although again that is not a piece that the author is quite as interested in expanding upon which i think is to the detriment of the specificity of this yeah world. Yes. it doesn't really go into it it is there yes. yeah.
1: and it's and, and it's interesting because i'm not sure what to do with it thematically in that case if he's not interested in interrogating it right because right. here's here's you know here at the gates of Stone Mountain, at the gates of the symbol of reaction of white supremacy, you have a black woman, a black queer woman who's repudiating the South and everything it stands for. Um, and yet she goes on to, because it's not a revolutionary act that she goes on to do. Right. right. No. It results in the deaths of 110 million people purely because of what the, what the North did to her. Right. right?
2: Yeah. And, and deaths not just in the North. Deaths mm-hmm. everywhere. In the
0: South.
1: Yeah, across the whole over. continent all over you know she There's
0: warns a, her Layla junior her old friend and like old lover like hey just so you know everyone's about to die
2: that comes she and, right. like, and, and she gets her nephew
1: her, her nephew benjamin um who was narrating this him. book we remind you um right. sends him up to alaska yeah she yeah, yeah. She, yeah ships him out to uh, Alaska by way of by way of the Mexican protectorate out west but Which yeah it other pull, than that throws in
0: there very briefly that he becomes like a weird little reactionary too because there's immigrants <laughs> there's there's yeah. coming in mm. and he screams immigrants go home and says he attacks their houses and he was like and it made me feel you know the idea of that that continuing their thing. unbelonging was proof of my belonging yeah yes, yeah yeah exactly mm. um and you know I, I don't uh, and she has this brief moment where it looks like she might have some redemption with Benjamin. One could even say that like her one bit of redemption is her relationship with Benjamin. Uh, but that the, you know, the pain matters more. Obviously there's this mo. She has this moment in the water with him where they're, you know, they're together and she's trying to overcome her fears. Mm. Um, and I guess the idea behind that is the book doesn't want to immediately go from prison to her doing the mass killing. Like it doesn't want to say, and there was no human left. There was no choice left to be made. I I think the book wants to make it clear. Like there was still a choice left to be made. And this was the decision she made. Mm -hmm. Um, It is, it is. um, I don't know quite what to do with that whole part of the book. Um, It's, it's not huge, but where she's, Dealing with Benjamin, it's there's a few parts in that that are actually kind of weirdly written where it's like him saying I and then right. it switches and he's no longer on the page anymore. She walks inside the church, explains later he had her diaries to make every like make sense of everything. But uh um I don't dislike it. I think there's like some interesting parts. I think Benjamin is a uh, uh you know is compelling. Um I just I don't know exactly what Benjamin's role in this, in the narrative, like of the point of the narrative, like what sure. he's trying to drive something home with Benjamin, what Benjamin mm. represents, I guess just the next bereaved
1: generation. It's well, that. It's, yeah. It, oh, no, go ahead. Well, cause it's kind of, he, um, cause he has her diaries, right? He gains access to them. He gains access to, um, a note that she writes to him, her last kind of communication with him before she goes off and she does this horrible thing. Um, and in it right she writes you know i told you once that a well-set bone grows stronger the opposite is also true right so she Mm -hmm. she's she's saying okay this is this is what makes sense to me that i'm doing because because of what i've endured which you know and you know i don't really buy the validity of that but what he does is he burns her diaries right and he says it was the only way i had left to hurt her right because um and and he's and he's saying you know she hasn't just done this thing but you know her last act of cowardice was forcing me to understand her forcing me to choose what to do with the secret but but that's the thing you know he doesn't he doesn't hide her complicity in this he doesn't hide her responsibility for this you know because he's he's presenting this to the public as like a historical document right so um, it's in, in a way um in a way he's trying to diffuse i think this this uh, this cycle of vengeance right um for the public if not against her right because mm. it's the the vengeance that he takes is is specific it's tailored but it's also with a view toward toward healing that divide
2: well a, an, oh, go a, ahead. A, another thing that burning the diaries allows the character of benjamin to accomplish is that he now is the guardian custodian of Sarah's story. Nobody else has the ability to read her diaries and get an alternate interpretation because, uh, and I think it's actually kind of clever that like it leads us in this place at the very end. You're like, wait, so we just have to take his word for all this shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like his, his interpretation of this story might not be totally correct there might be pieces of her journals that are salient points that were left out entirely mm-hmm. this is a fundamentally subjective document and Ooh. i think that's really clever because of the way that it then it, it, it when you get to the end you're like oh all of those interspersed bits and pieces of the the secondary documentation the point of that yes is to provide sort of an in-world grounding for what's going on but it's mm-hmm. also to show you how his understanding of this person of his aunt is different from everything that everybody else knows. And mm. that for him, there's an excitement of taking that narrative, making it his own, and bringing forward what he sees as the truth. Um, yes. And I I think it's really cool, actually.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I, he's I, the I, one I, to curate it, yes. Right. Going back over the text, too, it also led me to have a slightly amusing experience. If every now and then there'd be a tiny detail like she took another spoonful and it's like, you just made that shit. Yeah, up. exactly. Exactly. was <laughs> like, maybe, maybe. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, what we don't the, it talking about, you know, obviously it's in the central motif is there are stories and stories pass on. Right, and that's right. what we receive. Um, and there's also the interesting fact of this hundred million person plague destroyed so many records. So, you know, the idea of what records there might be on her at the prison or whatever between climate change and uh, between climate change and the plague, like we're gonna have to go on the person's word for it in a very more archaic sense in a way right. that the digital age maybe doesn't make us do as much, which yeah, I agree. It's strong. Um, I wanted to just, before I forgot to do it, um, hmm. uh, read a quote that I really connected with. Um, I felt like it was um, a really strong description of the vengeance of Sarah and it brought the water motif home. Um, it's when she's killing Bud guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says and it's talking about her bleeding him literally bleeding him to death and it says she took it all speaking of blood rising she looked at the hollowed remains of the guard and she felt the inverse of fulfillment the empty undoing of the castaway who rabid with thirst resorts to drinking from the ocean and that's where you get the uh, the water motif back mm-hmm. right and you get the like she's not in this wholesome water anymore and she's not in this situation where she's not even unaware of what she's doing. She's looking at the ocean and she's like, it would be better to drink that and just fucking die. And, and that is what, that's what,
2: you know, brings this thing home. And that's, yeah. And there's I, no, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. It, well, it's the conclusion of such an interesting arc for her too, because we see a yeah. number of kills along the way each one of which is sort of more precisely calibrated and personal. You know, mm-hmm. back in the um, back in the, the, the camp, uh, after she has survived the massacre, uh, she sneaks up behind a guy who is just out to take a leak. One of the one of the soldiers who crossed in, you know, and, and slits his throat. This is sort of an act of self-defense, right? This guy could potentially be a credible threat to her. Mm-hmm. But it is it is still it's a little personal. By the end, we're getting she's having the opportunity to take out the architect of her personal torture for years and years and years. But along the way, none of that violence makes her feel more whole. All she feels is just letting out more and more of herself and exactly like what you're saying with the with the water motif, it's precisely the opposite of what she wants and needs so. I guess she is ruined. I guess I guess I guess Omar Alakad was right. This this really is a story about ruin and how she is mm-hmm. ruined by that vengeance that that she seeks and gets, but to what end?
0: And and her whole life has been, you know, defined. It, the water, just to take it a step further, the, her whole life has been defined by this like relationship to water and walls, you know, mm-hmm. the rivers that she lived on you know, when she was at Sugarloaf Prison trying to strain to hear the water and being waterboarded. The time that she spent time by the river and by the wall, uh, both in the uh, the the refugee camp and then again in the house that she lived in um, that was like sort of given to her as like compensation for having been in the refugee camp. And her, like, and, and there's, like, definitely something about nature in there, too, because nature is, you know, as humanity has destroyed nature, hum- nature is destroying humanity back, you know, the unstoppability of water, you know, notably Savannah is gone, downtown Savannah is right. underwater, notably for, I, I literally honeymooned in Savannah, so that was, like, a interesting <laughs> thing to throw out there, but, like, it's coming, Um, it's, it, it's, we, it's, I don't know everything about environmental science, but it seems, seems, like that's where we're we're headed for in the next few yeah. decades. I don't know if it's um, on
2: the schedule that this book predicts, but yeah, mm-hmm. we're we're gonna get there.
0: It's it's happening, yeah. And and that's what's that's what um and, and, and so she's she's reefed in by all of these things and it talking about like her, you know, making this final choice to drink the salt water to basically be like, the ruin of the ocean is coming in. It destroyed the land that's like to the south of her. It has really ruined their country. She is going to drink it too. So yeah, I'm coming more and more around on that, not war ruin line, even if it is mm -hmm. a little melodramatic. Yeah. Um, I'm at least getting, I at least get it a little more. Um, Yeah, and that's, you know, it that's kind of where it leaves off. It doesn't, you know, there's still a country, there's still a Congress, so you know they have congressional hearings in the future. Um, there's still a world, uh, this is not a book that is a guy saying, and I'm the last guy alive. Um, we do not know what kind of world it is. We mm-hmm. don't know if the disease maybe got out outside the country or not. We don't know how far climate change progressed even further. We're not sure. Um, and that's not the point, but the point is, this is a trajectory for the United States. Not, if not literally, than in a sort of spiritual sense. And it's like a, uh, um, you know, it's a pessimistic one. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's one that works individually and on a societal level. It's about radicalization. It's of course about climate itself. And uh, ultimately, you know, there's the imperialism in it as well. And it it makes for, I, I, I guess it feels... A cautionary tale I guess is the best way I could describe
1: it cautionary <laughs> because yeah because it, because of what because of what it ends on right um the only bit of uh of Saret's diary is that he doesn't burn right when I was young I lived with my parents and a brother my sister a small house by the Mississippi sea I was happy then smash cut to credits right mm-hmm. and that's what that's what we're left with you know she was happy and then you know her entire life is a series of traumatic events that breaks her down and eventually um you know she comes to that point where the last thing she does is the she she she's the vector for this for this horrific plague that's like 10 times worse than COVID right and that's the thing like the work of the work of I mean that's something to do with I think why we don't necessarily see a lot of what goes on with the rest of the world, right? We don't get a sense of any organizing that's going on. We don't get a sense of any sort of geopolitics going on outside of the United States. You no, know, we get a sense of being siloed off from everything else. We get a sense of the world turning its back on us, no real uh, proletarian internationalism going on. You yeah. know, the only, the only thing we get from the rest of the world is its cast-offs, right? And it's it's deep loneliness on a geopolitical scale, certainly, but also on an individual scale. And this idea that that can defeat any kind of interconnectedness, right, that the pain and that the suffering and that the trauma of one person can undo the work of who knows how many millions that we don't even get to that we don't even get to meet. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I guess here's a question. Hmm? Do you buy that? Like, or do you think it is ultimately a, a short-sighted, like unrealistically pessimistic way of seeing the world?
1: Oh, it's absolutely, it's absolutely unrealistically pessimistic, yeah. right? Because I mean, that's that's the thing, right? If, because if you if you accept that, I mean, you know, and 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 individual choices can, you know. Not to get into any any ist like, great man theory, you know, of history thing, but, you know, individual choices can do great damage, yes. But if we accept that we can't have nice things, and if we accept that, you know, certain people can just, you know, set things off the rails, you know, then that's it. Then there's no reason to continue to struggle for nice things and to build relationships, right? That's, yeah, The the, you know, it's a world... Devoid of revolutionary optimism is this yeah. book, right? Yeah. Or at yeah. least, at least the corner of the world that we're exposed to. Mm-hmm.
0: But I think it is a, in the sense that it is a cautionary tale. And it's like, um, it is a sort of like this is these grains. If this strain of things is allowed to, you know, if in a world where you know, in a world where <laughs> that that pervasive, you know, don't tread on me bullshit uh, got to be a whole country. Literally, there's Um, a rebel
1: flag that uh, there's a rebel like militia flag that has a snake on it. Yeah, right. (laughs) Then
0: so it would go. Um, But yeah, if 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 someone told me not only did I think this book was realistic, I think this is going to happen. I would call that person a pessimist. Mm -hmm. What Omar al aqad intends specifically to tell us whether he intends to caution us or to just be like, yeah, no, man, this is it or this is the most likely outcome. Um, I couldn't exactly tell. I couldn't exactly tell from some of the stuff I read that he said. Um he's, you know, definitely seen some shit um reporting on Guantanamo and Afghanistan. That definitely has like colored his perception.
1: Mm-hmm. But Ferguson. I
0: think, you know, yeah, and Ferguson, and I think ultimately, though, from my perspective, uh, this doesn't. I, I can i I don't think I know that this doesn't have to happen and nothing like right. this right. Um, bad things will happen that naturally, But there is real potentiality. There is a lot of potential across the country, across the world, and the South specifically. I organize every single day in the South. I see how much passion there is. I also Mm -hmm. like this is a very small note because I know it's not the point. But also the idea that the whole city of Atlanta would be on board with this is you've not been spent a lot of time in Atlanta, right? Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, the you know Atlanta is actually much more would be much more in line with the North. That's actually kind of the more of what the contradictions look like in the South, like urban versus rural. Um but yeah, no, this is this is not gonna happen if we don't allow it to happen. And uh I think joss and I might talk about Ministry for the Future by Kim Stanley Robinson next week. Um, because it is almost like uh have I have either of y'all what or read Ministry for the Future?
1: I have not. I've read it's, the first little bit of it.
0: It's like the I guess this book is its Wario, Basically, it's Ooh. like, hey, what if we did a? It's actually a lot more science oriented, but it's like, what if we like had the good ending? Um, and like we we did good things.
1: Mm-hmm. No, uh, things certainly we, get worse before they get better, but they do get better.
0: Yes, so I, I think we might should talk about that uh, at least soon. But uh, I I really do foresee that. But like absent, you know, absent actual organizing and actual work and actually people giving a shit, yeah, this could happen. Um, and this is a useful cautionary tale, but I would not call. I would not tell someone read this and get a vision of the future because I don't believe that that's the future that's coming. Not, mm. not, I not if I have anything to say about it. Yeah.
1: So that. Well, what yeah, do you think? To the ex- I mean, to the extent that there exists any any kind of human nature, you know, people have something to say. Mm-hmm. The South got something to say. We like to
0: say. Mm. That. Yeah. Do yeah. well, well, you have well, any the, like kind of final thoughts on the book or on that?
2: I mean, I I think I fall pretty much where you do. You know, I there are images in this book that in in terminology in this book, ideas like the mag, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, the mag. Mm -hmm. For some reason, that's one of those things that sticks with me is like you could have that that that's real. You know, Uh Um, the uh, the the, the images of of Sarah um, being dragged around this horrifying facility out on an eye. The. An island, which is all that remains of the state of Florida and all they do there now is torture people. It's like there Mm. are things like that where it's like, wow, that's so wild that's so specific that will never leave me. But even Mm. so, I do also see this more as a well, we could end up there in some world. I don't think that's where we're headed, because frankly, I can't have that I refuse to have that Mm -hmm. I refuse to allow that just just like the two of you. I also think it's interesting, you know, that you come at it from the perspective of being, you know, from and in the South, whereas mm-hmm. I myself have always been, you know, a good Yankee boy. But <laughs> I see in this a lot of accuracy in terms of how it understands that culture and things about that culture. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to read a book like this about what's happening in the North and, you know, what that looks like. Um mm-hmm. But, but ultimately, yeah, I'm really glad. Thank you both for, you know, having me on. Of course, me a chance to thank talk you talk about for, this for coming on. Book that I honestly think I love, but also have like real issues <laughs> with uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and gave me a way to, to sort of unpack that. I really appreciate it. So thanks, guys. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Happy to have you on. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the last thing I'll note is uh, the mag when you're talking about that. I was like, where's Florida? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and- and i thought that was funny but yeah florida in 20 in the 2080s 2090s still managing to torture people crazy how that works
1: i mean yeah. well i mean if it were around it would ruin the acronym
0: that's true where where, where, where the hell do you Where? Do, i'm not quite sure
1: Bang Mac-
0: no, no. like
1: add south carolina
0: in there it's just it doesn't work it's a mess it's a mess got to keep it got to keep it simple keep it simple okay well yeah thank you so much for coming on josh uh we really appreciate you um yeah to those who are listening ministry for the future is probably going to be next um if we're still like on twitter in a couple weeks I yeah we'll, we'll see. see
2: i just got a message from brian my co-host that uh apparently twitter is now like you just can't get into it if you don't have a registered account in any way shape or form it's uh, just fucking
0: broken yeah so I-, I don't know what's next i don't know what our podcasting home is already the majority of our followers aren't on twitter they don't follow us on Twitter. Um, but yeah, Josh, uh, seeing as Twitter's not going to be a great place to plug <laughs> anything, if you would like to plug anything now, now would be a great time to do that.
2: Absolutely. So uh, if this this has very much been a case study in the pop culture of a dying empire, and uh, we do <laughs> yeah. those every single week over on our show. The worst of all possible worlds uh, every week is a deep dive into a different piece of media we talk about movies we talk about video games we talk about tv shows every once in a while we talk about books but brian and aj are illiterate so we only do that rarely uh if you are interested in more information about our show you can go to worstpossible.world uh that is our website you'll find information there we are for the time being on twitter at t-w-o-a-p-w uh and you can also follow us on blue sky at worstpossible.world so uh yeah, hmm. that's 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 my pitch.
0: Oh, yeah, it's a it's a great show. We I uh, I literally introduced it to Joss. We were on the way back from a uh, protest at this uh, ice detention facility. We had like an hour and a half and I was like, you've got to listen to this left behind episode. Dude. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. 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 We do
2: yeah. love our evangelical culture. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we
0: did a left behind episode on 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 our podcast. Because on the book, specifically was, like, so yes, for me, yes, mm-hmm. as did we. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: and like, I literally can't walk into a room, not know where someone is and be like, oh, yep. shit, rapture. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we, absolutely. Ep- episode
2: coming out this week on uh, God's Not Dead, the motion picture. So. No oh. way, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And by <laughs> awesome, I mean horrible. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time you listen to this, that might already be up. So yeah.
0: Well, yeah, everybody go check it out. Appreciate y'all for listening as always. Uh, Joss, do you have a book specific sign off to this one? Um,
1: so many possible shells, but we're the socialist one. <laughs> there you go. That, that's the, the the
0: parody. The parody of the song. That's good. It's good. That could work. It's good. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That works.
1: That's been banging around in my head for days. <laughs> <laughs> you it's good to get
2: something like that out.
0: There we mm. go. Yes. All right. Appreciate y'all. you have a good one.
1: Bye. Okay. Peace out.